yeah, so welcome to the third uh, installment of the series, um, Effective Writing Workshop series, where we look at various aspects of writing, the teaching of writing, and the learning of writing. Um, so this one is entitled, this is the third one, the last one will be next week. Uh, this is the third one called The Importance of Feedback, Written Feedback. So the agenda, okay, um, we just did the introduction to the series, uh, just to recap what, what, uh, which modules will be, will be done. We're going to do a quick recap of module two. I like to do that so that we uh, solidify and consolidate the information that we learned from the last uh, workshop. Examine the different types of L2 learners as it regards feedback and how that might be specific, how the type of uh, feedback you provide might be specific based on that. Why give feedback, feedback guidelines, a, a general feedback guidelines, and then a feedback intervention guide that sort of shows you uh, at what, how much intervention you should provide and at what stage. Uh, feedback, how should it actually look? Uh, and then a recap of the session, the main points, the salient points, and then any questions, and I provide you a list of references. This one is a, a little bit more uh, referenced than the previous two, um, but that's just, you know, that's just to make sure that you have access to further resources should you want to, um, you know, examine any of the issues further. The objectives of this uh, workshop is to develop a profile, have a working knowledge of different types of L2 learners as it regards writing, generate a working definition of feedback and discuss its importance in a writer's development, internalize strategies to implement or things to consider when you're giving feedback to the student, adopt an appropriate feedback intervention ratio and experiment with a written feedback activity. So we're going to actually do it, look at an activity and um, look at a few different versions of feedback provided and see, you know, which of them is appropriate, non-appropriate, and for which reasons. So recap of module two. So hopefully, I hope that the the uh, for those of you who have been in the workshop since the first uh, one or who have um, had access to them and have been able to look at them. I hope you can appreciate the developmental approach that we've taken to this workshop series. It began really big with uh, just sort of the psychology of writing, what is involved. And then we got a little bit more narrow and talked about actual strategies that you can em employ to help your students. And now, so basically what is involved in the whole thinking of writing and then the students are actually writing, now that they're producing work, what do you do with this work that's in front of you, right? So you're getting, you've gotten the students to write. Now, what do you do with the work that's being produced? Um, and so that's what we're gonna talk about this week. And then next week, the final session will be discussing, okay, now that the students have produced work, you've given them feedback and they're becoming independent writers, how, does that at the last stage of their writing uh, uh, path, when they become, when they have to write research papers and things like that, how do we help them avoid and understand plagiarism? So uh, it's been sort of a you know step-by-step -step approach to uh, all the aspects that are uh, involved in a writing path of a student. Um, and also in, uh, in the module two, um, basically we talked about how you need to have writing strategies or you need to 
help students employ writing strategies. And that basically just sets the table for them to help them prepare for, you know, it's a rough, rough road uh, trying to become a good writer in English. And so again, the more preparation you provide for the students mentally, uh, and then also through practice, uh, that, you know, that, that is uh, very beneficial for them. Um, we also talked about how you have to forecast the issues your learners may face, right? Um, and so that's why scaffolding becomes important. So we talked a lot about scaffolding and how you have to really take a step-by-step -step approach to the students' writing uh, process approach where they are taking uh, many, many steps to produce one piece of writing. Um, and then we also mentioned how you have to pay specific attention to the structural and mechanical aspects of writing. So that was all that we covered last week. Let's get into this week. So with providing feedback, it's uh, important to understand <clears throat> the types of learners you may have, second language learners you may uh, have in your class. Uh, we mentioned this a bit in the first session about how there are different writing systems, right? So uh, that's key because all of your learners are not necessarily coming from uh, the same writing system as uh, or a similar writing system as English. Some of them have completely different characters, completely different directions in which they write text, right? So um, yeah, and some students may not have writing systems at all, right? Um, and we mentioned how uh, fundamentally human beings, they are conversationalists. When a baby comes out and they, the first thing they, they do is, you know, as they get older is they uh, talk, they speak and listen. The last skills to learn are reading and writing. So some students across the world don't even have uh, writing systems to begin with. Uh, some writing systems uh, may, there, there may be some uh, other writing systems in the world, but the orthography is completely different. So again, okay, uh, Japanese and Arabic and Chinese, they have writing systems, but it's completely different. Direction in terms of characters, right? So uh, there are there can be very very drastic differences in the uh, original language of the learners. As we mentioned, some have writing systems but rely mostly on oral tr tradition. Arabic is one of them. Uh, this becomes important when you're talking about transferability. So this is a concept in linguistics, right? Where if a student has, and by the way, feel free if you have any questions throughout to ask, uh, interject, no problem. Um, transferability is a concept in linguistics where uh, basically if the skills are found in the student's original language that can help and make it easier to uh, bring those skills over to the second language. But if the student doesn't have strong skills in their original language or no skills at all, in the case of an oral culture, then you know the, the task of writing English becomes exponentially more difficult. Then there's also different, different rhetorical structure. And so as we talked about this in the first session, we talked about how there are different ways that cultures express themselves. Some express them in circular fashion. And in this case, it's the reader's responsibility to figure out what the writer intends. And then you have some cultures such as English, which are more linear. And it's the writer's responsibility to make things absolutely crystal clear for the students. Right. So again, understanding the type of background that the learners come from can help you anticipate what kind of issues they may have. Uh, if you have extensive research on 
the the you know the language system that they come from you can uh, be able to help them even you know more depth so it's important uh, homogeneous versus heterogeneous populations yeah this is one thing also so if you are teaching in a class that has uh, more people from one particular community so for instance I remember when I taught in community college it was mostly um, it was, there were mostly Asians in the class from uh, China and Korea um, so had I had any background in Chinese or Korean I would have been able to help them you know a lot a lot better uh, as opposed to having a class where it's just a whole mix of people from all over the world. Um, but again, depending on the the backgrounds that your students come from, you know, you may be able to uh, provide a little bit more support if you are familiar with their language systems. So why is this information important? This is what we're going to get to, because again, knowing where your learners are coming from can help make it easier for you to provide the correct feedback and the amount of feedback. So feedback, but why? So believe it or not, some educators don't believe in the value of feedback. I uh, have um, been an administrator uh, in, the, in the capacity of supervisor and coordinator for the past uh, also 17 years. Um, and I have had to evaluate teachers. I have received complaints from students about teachers. I have had to give workshops. I think Imran, I think you might've been one or two of them. I've had to give workshops trying to convince faculty of the importance of feedback. Believe it or not, some people don't believe that it's important. Generally, I would assume that these, uh, I think most of them that, that were against it probably have never learned a second language, right? So, um, you know, they don't understand that the tremendous challenge it is in learning a second language and then also learning to write in English, which has its own unique set of, of challenges. So believe it or not, some educators don't believe in the value of feedback. And I hope that uh, I hope that's not the case here. I hope that everyone understands that feedback is uh, critical to the development of a learner. So what is it and is it important? I hope that I can convince you. Uh, Jeremy Harmer, he says, feedback encompasses not only correcting students, but also offering them an assessment of how well they have done. So feedback presents an opportunity for students to actually um, you know, fix their language issues, but also it's a snapshot of how, you know, how um, successful they've been in one particular stage of their development and second language acquisition process. So feedback is very important fundamentally as a human being. We, we like to know where we stand. Um, if that feedback is not provided, then, you know, sometimes it can get in the way of someone's development because they, they are going to class and doing work, but they don't know where they stand in the big, bigger scheme of things. So it's good to provide general language feedback in general. Um, written corrective feedback. So an, it means analyzing students' written work, giving them suggestions for structural improvements, such as unity uh, and clarity of ideas and identifying mechanical discrepancies. So we spoke at length last session about um, how you need to approach the teaching of writing from a structural standpoint, a mechanical standpoint. We talked about structural being sort of the bigger, more important things like, uh, well, not necessarily more important, but the bigger things like um, clarity and, and flow of ideas, number of ideas. And then also the mechanical level, looking at 
um, you know, uh, spelling mistakes, uh, grammar issues, um, punctuation, things like that. Um, so written corrective feedback is analyzing the student's work and giving them suggestions on these two main uh, aspects of writing. Is it important? Like I said, uh, many scholars believe it is integral to development. I am one of them. Uh, I'm not calling myself a scholar, but I am one of them, uh, one of the educators who truly believe that um, giving a student feedback is absolutely critical to their development. If there is no feedback, the student will not develop. Uh, remember the profiles. Uh, yeah, when we, we're going to talk about uh, intervention, uh, so that is going to come up. But remember the profiles we talked about um, just in the previous slide about what kinds of learners are coming to you, uh, and that will determine how much intervention you need to uh, give for the students. And not only is it important, feedback is not only important for from you to them, right? But it's also important, it's a pivotal step in helping learners become autonomous, right? So not only do I provide the students feedback, but the student has to get in the habit of ultimately being able to assess their own work, right? Ultimately being able to, because you are not with the student 24 seven. Most of the time the students by uh, themselves, right? So when they leave class, they have to start being able to assess their own level of writing. How are they doing with regards to the objectives? Also in testing, right? So major tests in the class or major tests, for instance, a standardized test, there is no one there to provide feedback. So the, the uh, student will then also need to rely on themselves in order to uh, achieve the objectives of the task. So providing feedback and constantly being given feedback, it prepares them and it trains them to be able to get in the habit of looking at their own mistakes and trying to uh, trying to become better writers. Again, feel free to ask questions or if there's something that's not particularly clear, uh, feel free to interject. <clears throat> when it comes to feedback guidelines, all right? So again, I was an administrator. I was a supervisor of an entire uh, writing program. Uh, that was actually on three different campuses across the country. Um, and so, you know, I had to provide guidance for all the teachers about, you know, the best ways to provide guidance. And in my, um, in my uh, experience and in my uh, studies, I really believe it's important to give students feedback on both the macro issues and the micro issues. Some teachers believe that uh, it's only important to sort of correct the bigger things like ideas and they don't pay attention to grammar, right? And they say grammar and punctuation, that's on you, you figure it out. Um, and some advice, some, some opposite. Some say, no, I'm not gonna worry about ideas and things like that. I will just focus on grammar and punctuation. You know, depending on the guidance of your particular department or program, um, that you know, you may be so, you may be limited in what you can do based on class size. So, for instance, if you have fifty students in a class, it might be difficult to look at uh, macro things and micro things, or um, you know, there might be some restrictions. But in light of that, I would uh, highly suggest that both are 
um, examined because you know it's not we we looked at last uh, last uh, session we said which one is which one is more important it's sort of the structural issues the macro at the macro level or the mechanical issues at the micro level and we we came to the conclusion that not neither one is necessarily more important than the other they're equally important and someone can have uh, perfectly fine you know sort of ideas and at the macro level he's pretty he's you know he or she is pretty fine but their micro issues are so bad that it totally ruins and makes the uh makes the piece unintelligible right and vice versa so very important to provide students with both macro and micro um micro uh uh feedback and just me personally, I always begin with the bigger things and then I go down to the smaller things. So that's why I have an arrow going from macro to micro. So I always begin with big, bigger issues and then go to the smaller ones. The challenge with uh, providing feedback, there's a number of things that's involved. Um, you know, you have to remember at the end of the day, we are all human beings. Um, and yes, we like feedback. We like to, uh, we like to, move forward we like to know where we stand but it's also delicate right because people don't like to be told you know what they're you know that they're wrong people like to be told you know how they can improve and things like that, but they don't like to be flat out told that you that you're wrong and things like that so a number of different challenges involved in providing feedback um, the number one goal is for the student to achieve the objective of language competency. That's your whole, that's the whole purpose of them being enrolled with you in your class is that you have to help them achieve a certain language objective and they have to achieve it and they're assessed on whether they achieve it or not. You have to encourage students. It's very important to encourage uh, students and to, uh, because you know it can be very frustrating for students to go through the writing process and the stages of, of writing. And so you have to do your best to uh, encourage them, provide positive reinforcement as much as you can. Um, and hopefully that fosters in them intrinsic motivation to learn when they see that, you know, they there are things that they're doing well and that keeps them going. Um, because again, if, you know, a student is, constantly being told what they're doing wrong or that they're wrong or that you know that can be very devastating for their uh, motivation and we as we know motivation is key to uh, one of the major keys for success in education one thing you can't do is um, although you're trying to encourage students you can't give them a false assessment of their level so this mistake is made when you know, you have some very kind-hearted teachers that that just don't want to hurt the feelings of their students, but they go a little bit to the extreme and they either tell them that the work that they're doing is good when it's not, or they ignore glaring issues, right? And so either or, in either case, what you're doing is giving the student a false assessment of their level. And, you know, for instance, if there are, you have a paper that's riddled with mistakes, but the student, but the teacher doesn't make really corrections on any of them. And then the student goes to another teacher and shows them, and then the teacher starts marking it all up. And then the, the student will, you know, probably say to this new teacher, like, why are you, why are you making so many corrections? It was, it's a good paper. 
And they would say it's a good paper. Why? Because the original teacher failed to bring serious issues to light. And so the student thought that going into the second session that they were fine when in actuality they weren't. So we don't wanna give students a false assessment of the level because it's our job and duty and we're getting paid to make sure that the students achieve their um, objective. So we, we can't give them a false assessment. Um, in terms of the sort of logistics of feedback, uh, you have to, you know, it's kind of it maybe different from obviously pr program to program, but one of the best ways I feel it's possible is to set up conferences with students. Um, it's also good to get students to get them to tell you what they think is uh, strong and what needs improvement. I think that that is a great way to open up because, again, number one, it eases the the tension off of you to come out straight ahead and just say, you know, what need, what needs to be fixed. And then also it's a way of inculcating in the student the habit of looking at their own work, being able to see what they're doing well and where they need to improve. So it's also good to sort of, you know, uh, continually remind students and encourage them to, when they come to you, that they are the ones who can tell you first what their strengths are and where they need to, or what's strong with this piece of writing and what needs to be improved. Uh, just in general, I always begin with the positive. I never, I never um, begin any sessions talking about, you know, uh, you need to do this better, you need to do this better. It's just, um, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there, if I did more studies and research, I'm sure there is research to back that. Uh, that positive reinforcement or beginning with positive reinforcement is a lot better than beginning with negative or not negative, but beginning with, um, you know, explaining to the students the, the places where they could have improved. Um, so I always begin with positive, uh, just so that the student, you know, feels that they have done something right, right? Even if it's the worst paper in the world, there has to be something that they did, right? In terms of organization, in terms of the indent or in terms of you know, the number of lines or you know this has to be something that they've done well um so i always begin with with the positive and then we also and this is this is also um one of the things that I'm, that's very very important is we have to be very very sensitive with the language that we use when we're giving feedback uh language is very important uh words matter uh words are very powerful uh, your tone, you know, all the th all of these things are very, very important. You have to understand that when the student comes to you with their work, they are vulnerable. They have presented, you know, their work, their, their best version of what they think is good. And now they've come to someone who may tell them that what they have produced is not the best, right? Um, well, they hope that it's the best, but they may, they may not. So this is a risk that they're taking when they come to you for feedback. And so they're very vulnerable. And so you need to make sure that the language that you use is, uh, you know, as sensitive as possible. Um, and I mean sensitive, meaning um, that you don't say things, for instance, you don't say this is wrong or this is weak or, um, um, you know, things like that. I would, I would, uh, if, you know, you, you can tell a student that something needs to be fixed without telling them that 
it's awful without telling them that it's wrong, right? So you need to be able to, to choose language which is positive, but at the same time, it's communicating that a certain thing needs to be done. So uh, when you navigate to the points of improvement, so for instance, I would say, here's an area where you can improve, right? As opposed to saying, here's what you got wrong, or this is what you're doing poorly. It's the same meaning. It's the same meaning, but the, the, the language and the nuance is slightly different, right? When you say, here's a point of improvement, what you're saying is that they have done something well, or they, they are at a certain level, but they can become better. As opposed to saying what you've done is wrong or poor, you've not left any room for the student to feel confident about what they have produced, right? So again, we don't want to give students a false assessment of the level. So we're not, we're not, we're not covering up mistakes, right? But at the same time, you know, it's very important to provide language that is as positive as possible and, um, you know, not negative. Also, just a small thing, I don't use a red pen um, at all. I always use green. Uh, there has been there have been numerous studies that show that red red is just an awful color to use for uh, feedback. And when when the student gets their paper and it's all full of red, it looks like a bloody, you know, piece of you know whatever. So uh, you know, I would encourage the use of uh, other colors. I generally use green, um, but yeah, that's also another small point is that uh, red pens have have been documented to give sort of uh, negative psychological uh, effects on students. Feedback intervention guides. So again, you are, you are presented with your students, you are following your students' progress. How much feedback do you give, right? So we've talked about the manner in which you give feedback, why feedback is important, right? But how much should you give and how often? Okay. Uh, there's a famous saying, give someone a fish, they eat for the day, teach someone a fish, they eat for a lifetime. So this is with regards to the type of intervention that you provide for the student. Some teachers, and we're going to see uh, in the sample, some teachers uh, correct everything for the student, so much so that it's, it's almost as if the teacher did the assignment for the student. And then you have someone the total opposite that give absolutely zero feedback, right? So you as yourself, you have to sort of manage how much feedback you need to give, which areas of particular paper is important and worthy of uh, feedback, which areas can be sort of left up to the student, and then obviously based on how many students you actually have in the class, how many classes you're teaching, you know, um, that also will determine how the, you know, the extent to which you intervene, but there needs to be intervention at the end of the day, there needs to be intervention. Um, I would suggest a guided approach. So the student, there's a student recognition of errors with guidance from the instructor and meaning that the student is aware that there are issues and the, the teacher has made those issues clear. Um, and they, what happens is the student then takes that piece of writing, goes back and edits it, or comes to the teacher for you know, further explanation. But the primary 
the primary approach should be a guided approach where you are guiding the student to the error, but not necessarily fixing it for them. And that's also determined by the proficiency level. So again, for more advanced students, I would say the, the amount of intervention you have to provide is a lot less than a student in the very low level or beginner level who needs a lot of support from you, right? So the intervention would be a lot more and it would be a lot, uh, you know, a lot more frequent. So it would be a lot more in terms of the amount and it would also be a lot more in terms of the amount of time that you provide it. Whereas students at an advanced level are more capable of self-regulating. So they don't necessarily need you at every step of the way. A little chart that I have uh, provided here, uh, it, it, it details how much intervention should be provided. So on a scale of zero to five, where zero is very little and five is the most. And then when you have uh, true beginners, false beginners, intermediate and advanced, I would say you provide a lot more at true beginner, then it starts to fall off, false beginner, intermediate. And then by the time you get to advanced, the amount of information, uh, the amount of intervention should be a lot less, right? So there should be a continual uh, decreasing amount of intervention commensurate with the uh, proficiency level. How should feedback look? All right. So here is a, we're going to actually have a sample uh, feedback session where you actually look at a uh, 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 production of a student's work, and then we're going to um, we're going to see how it was corrected by in different versions, and then sort of determine which one is the most appropriate. So, how should feedback look? Uh, again, when you're responding, you know it might be a bit time consuming. So, the amount of uh, feedback that you can provide, the depth of feedback that you can provide, might be you know, that will definitely depend on the number of students in your class um, and the number of sections that you teach. Um, and then it's also coding, right? Where you, so responding in sort of at, uh, in detail with comments, you know, large comments, long comments, um, takes a lot of time, right? Uh, and also you have coding where you have certain symbols that represent certain, um, you know, parts of speech, uh, certain aspects of writing, for instance, grammar or subject verb agreement or um, uh, punctuation, uh, word choice. So you have these little codes that you can use where basically you, and we'll see an example of this, you, you use the code for the particular area that needs to be improved and when the student sees it, they know that there is something wrong with this particular area, but it's not as extensive as what you would do if you actually wrote it out for the student. You have an issue with this part of grammar, right? So depending on, um, depending on you know, again, your uh, uh, class size and depending on uh, the number of classes you teach, you know, you, you will need to navigate that and manage that. But in general, I, by default, include as much coding as possible because it's just easier. And then when there are really, really structural issues, then I you know, take the time out to make sure I 
communicate to the student through a, a comment, extensive comment. Um, but for the most part, coding is what I use uh, by, defo by default. So let's look at this paragraph. <coughs> okay, I'll read it. So I love going to the desert for three reasons. First, it's fun. Second, peaceful. I can enjoy the largest desert and no one is around. Third, the scenery is amazing. Fourth, Saudi Arabia has lots of sand. All in all, I am love the desert. I go wherever I can. Okay, so this is a standard first year, you know, sort of, I guess, first week, first month production, maybe first day of class production from a student. And it, it obviously needs work. There are things that are that have done, done well, and there are things that, uh, you know, obviously need improvement. So we're going to look at a few different versions of how this piece was corrected. Look at this uh, version. So it's literally a question mark and a um, and a um, and a comment at the bottom, do again, okay? What does the student benefit from this? There's absolutely no feedback whatsoever, right? Um, this is not helpful. And this is probably done for sure by one of the uh, teachers who doesn't believe in feedback. There are the issue, the paper is riddled with issues and this teacher expects the student to just Find it, find out all the answers by themselves. Look at this version. <clears throat> so the new version, I love going to the desert for uh, three reasons. First, it is fun and I can do many things. Second, it is a peaceful place. I can enjoy the large desert and no one is around. Third, the scenery is amazing. Fourth, it is a great place for family gatherings. All in all, I love the desert and I usually go whenever I can. The problem with this issue or this version is that the teacher has done all the work for the student. They have literally rewritten the entire paragraph for the student, okay? Now this might be more appropriate, I guess, uh, at lower levels, lower grades, you know, perhaps when you're, when you're trying to model for students, um, and also for, you know, maybe older students, but they're in the beginning stages of their, uh, their, their uh, language program, right? Um, so that it might be appropriate there, but in most cases, or in many cases, this type of, uh, this type of intervention is a bit much, and it does nothing really to serve the student, because where is the learning opportunity? Where's the opportunity for the student to recognize where the mistakes are in the first place, right? So there's really, there's really, no, there's really no indication of where students have gone wrong except just slash marks, right? And then everything has been rewritten. Even some ideas are not even from the students. So for instance, in the end, it says, fourth, it is a great place for family gatherings. The student didn't mention that, right? So, you know, you don't want to overdo it where you are 
uh, robbing the student of a learning opportunity by providing too much feedback. Okay, and again, this is uh, I mentioned uh, early on about uh, second language learners, but it's not again. It's 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 more expansive for any um, really in any writing context. These uh, these uh, principles are applicable uh, to the teaching of writing, uh, teaching and learning of writing itself. What about this example or this version? So in this version, you notice that also keep in mind that the, the color of the feedback is green, as I mentioned. Uh, so it's a lot easier on the eyes, not just to feel, like imagine this, this uh, with all red, right? Half the, half, the, uh, half the screen would be basically in red, right? So green is, uh, green is uh, you know, it's a little bit more relaxed. Um, so here we see that we have some circles, we have some lines, we have some arrows, we have some underlines, right? Um, and we have initials. Well, we have, you know, we have we have initials. So we have GR, grammar, subject verb. Okay, here we have SP for spelling. We put a comma here for the student. It's fun, maybe explain how. So here's where the, the teacher has decided to uh, write some commentary. Second, again, comma. Uh, this this uh, sentence is a fragment, so the teacher wrote that at the top. I can enjoy the largest uh, POS part of speech, so uh, not um, you know not the superlative version of the uh, of the adjective. Um, third, the scenery is amazing. Okay, maybe explain. Saudi Arabia has lots of sand. Think about the unity here. So this is a st uh, structural comment. Right, so the things aren't really necessarily flowing. All in all, I am love. So grammar and then comma splice. So here, I think, in my opinion, this is the most appropriate way to provide feedback for the students. Uh, you are basically teaching them how to fish without giving them the fish. So you're pointing them to the direction where, what needs to be corrected, but you haven't necessarily given them the answer and robbed them of the learning opportunity. If the student sees grammar here, subject verb, what is it forced them to be, be, without me writing love, what does it force the student to do? It forces the student to go back and review their grammar lessons on subject verb agreement and then come up with the correct answer. That is valuable just giving them the word love without explaining how you got there or, uh, you know, robbing the student of this, of the learning opportunity. You know, that's where it becomes tragic. Again, here, spelling, have the student go back and check for spelling. Okay. Uh, fragment, you know, here might need a little bit more intervention later on, but at least in the beginning, try to get the students to figure out, go back to the lessons that spoke about fragments, right. And um, review, you know, what is a fragment? And then hopefully the student can come back to you with a much more improved version. And then in the event that they cannot, uh, they've tried, they've done their best to um, you know, correct the errors, but they just can't, then that's when you can provide a little bit more intervention or be a little bit more explicit in uh, correcting the paper because the student has tried and they just can't. Uh, but initially I would never do something like this at all, right? Because the student hasn't learned anything. 
you've given the student the fish and they eat, ate that day and that's it. They're not going to, they will never eat again in their life. Whereas here you have shown and directed the students. This is the guided approach. You've directed the students to the errors and have set them on their way to begin their autonomous learning process. Go back, try to fix it, fix it up, spice it up, and then bring it back to me. So in all those three versions, I would say this one is by far the most appropriate. All right. So as we are uh, coming to a close, I would say written constructive feedback is very important. It is critical to a student's development. And without it, you are really pushing your students off the deep end, especially with writing, because it is so challenging. And you have, um, you know, you have some adults, you have people who have been educated um, in school who are still not very good writers. Why? That's because it is really, really a challenging skill. It takes a lot of practice and it is important. So if that's the case for people who are, you know, professionals and academics or, you know, uh, you know, professional level, then what about for students or younger, uh, or younger people? So written constructive feedback is very important. It's important to try to consider students writing backgrounds prior to joining you, right? So where are the students coming from? And again, even may not necessarily be from a second language, it could be what is the uh, writing, um, uh, what is the writing um, uh, history of the student? Like what, what kind of program do they come to? Do they come from a program that is uh, focused on writing? Do they come from a school that is uh, literary? Uh, the high school that I went to was very, very literary um, and it prepared us to be scholars uh, in high school and college. That's why we would write, you know, we would write four or five pages, uh, four or five papers in different subjects, you know, per week, weekly, you know, so when you have a, you know, maybe, and then another student may not have come from a background like that. Um, so it's, it's good to explore the writing backgrounds of your students, maybe ask them on the first day or the beginning of, of a course or the beginning of a semester, um, you know, just so that you're familiar of the different types of learners that are uh, on their writing journey with you. You should offer specific but measured, specific and measured, but constructive and critical feedback when necessary. But again, being sensitive to the language uh, that you use to let the students know that they need to improve. Um, but again, we don't want to give students a false assessment or a false, uh, you know, a false uh, image or you know, rendering of their own uh, level. Uh, they need to be able to identify their own areas of improvement. They can't do that if they don't know what the reality is, right? Um, and also, they need to be able to look at their own work and be able to tell themselves honestly and critically what, need, what works and what doesn't work. Remember the feedback intervention ratio. So we looked at the chart, right? And so the more advanced a student is, the less intervention probably that's necessary and the least uh, proficient <clears throat> student would need a little bit more intervention. But again, all of that is ultimately based on factors such as the number of students in your class and the number of sections you may teach. You can vary your feedback instruments when necessary. So again, we said you can respond in detail, you can code, 
if you have all the time in the world and you really, really want, you know, your students to move forward, I would say you should, you know, go for the gold and, and provide as much feedback as possible. Um, but again, if you're time strapped and you can only, you know, you're restrained and what you can provide, then, you know, it's, it's important to balance. It's all important to give students, um, provide students with feedback, but not necessarily give them the answer. So that's very, very important. They need to be able to identify uh, their own mistakes. And they, they also need to, you don't want learning opportunities to be lost. Um, you need to be cognizant of the language that you use to deliver feedback. Again, as I mentioned, um, you know, I, I have been privy to some um, really horrific and <laughs> horrifying uh, feedback sessions. And, you know, teachers are really, really, uh, can be really, really harsh. And, you know, sometimes they may not, they may not recognize it, or they may not realize it until it's brought to their attention, right? But, but ultimately, you need by default, you should have a compassionate approach to your students. Um, you are trying to help them move forward. They don't know everything. That's why they're in your class to learn, right? And so you have to create, you know, safe and uh, positive spaces so that they can feel comfortable and courageous. They, have, they, can, they, can, they can have the courage to make mistakes. I always tell my students, don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's how you learn. Nobody's here because they're Shakespeare, right? We, uh, you know, you have to have the courage to make mistakes. You turn off that courage or, you know, you present a big obstacle in the way of courage when the student knows or feels that if they present work to, the, to you, that you, you know, are going to be rough or tough or offer language that is not supportive. So that's another reason why I'm a very big proponent of uh, being very cognizant of the language that you use and try to be as positive as possible, you know, in your wording without being misleading. Uh, yeah, enjoy the growth of your students. And for a few more recaps, uh, feedback should be instructional where appropriate. So again, you know, you're trying to get students to take advantage of a learning opportunity, right? Um, as opposed to just giving them the answer. That's, there's nothing instructional about that. Uh, you shouldn't be writing the paper for the students. They're not learning. And then ultimately you'll be doing way too much work. If you, if you try to rewrite every single student's paper, you're the one doing the work, they're doing nothing and they're not learning. Use symbols and acquaint your students with your method early on. So whatever style you use, whatever your, uh, whatever your system is, it's important to let students know what it is so that they clear expectations. And also uh, it's important to uh, tell them that as early as possible, right? So that there's no surprises, you know, on assessments or there are no surprises on uh, with their work, you know, when you are um, giving feedback, everyone is on the same page, it's uh, predictable. Um, and again, what you're doing is you're also providing students with something that they can take home with themselves as they are also becoming independent learners. So the earlier you provide that, the earlier they can become independent learners as well. If you do not provide feedback at all, um, then what happens is the students don't know how to evaluate their own uh, work for them. For, in, in many, many cases, uh, students, it's difficult for them to evaluate their own work because their work has never been evaluated. So do it early, 
and do it often. You should examine both the mechanical and the structural issues, okay? Go over the feedback with students if and when approach, you know, depending on your context, uh, I'm sure at lower levels, you, um, you know, uh, you are forced to uh, give feedback <coughs> to the students right away. Um, not necessarily forced, but you are, um, it, there, there's no way that they can go through it by themselves because they're, they're not, uh, they need, they need um, quite a lot of support. But for older students, and maybe depending on the context that you're in, um, you know, and university level, college level, we generally give a student feedback and then it's up to them to revise it. If they want, they can bring it back for, you know, uh, other drafts if they want, up to them. Um, but in any case, it's important to explain the feedback for the students and especially explain the feedback when they come to you to explain. Uh, sometimes you have teachers who give feedback but are not willing to go over it with the student for whatever reason right so that doesn't really make that that, that also doesn't make sense you are providing feedback some of the things that you say or write may not be necessarily clear so it's important to be able to provide an avenue where students can come and clear up any issues that they may have uh, this is more more for the uh, older students i wouldn't provide i don't provide feedback until the student has demonstrated that um they have gone through the material themselves right so what happens is um if you're in a context where you are really trying to hone in on uh autonomous learning then and that was the the, the context i was in um it's in, you know sometimes you might have students that that expect you to do the work for them. So they just write the paper and then they give it to you and you're the first eyes to ever come across this paper, right? Um, that shouldn't be the case. They should at least go through it at least one time and they should show evidence that they've done that um, because what you are doing is you are trying to train them to be autonomous. I am not always going to be there with you. You need to get in the habit of as soon as you finish your writing, you need to go back through it and check it out before you hand it to me. Again, at lower levels, um, may not necessarily may not be feasible. Uh, definitely, younger learners not feasible. Um, but again, we are trying to inculcate in students the idea that they are constantly learning and they should always constantly be in tune with their own work and be able to assess their own work. What are they doing well? Uh, what needs improvement? All right, and that is the end. Okay. Any questions? Any questions about anything? <clears throat>